What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Thank you for joining me today on the 613 Baseball Podcast. This is your host, Justin Carpenter. I've got an interesting one for you guys today. Um, so I had this whole show planned out for you guys, um, and we got some bad news while I was editing this podcast. So I've got a co-host for you in this episode here, uh, Steve Renault of the Ottawa Knights baseball team. Uh we touched a lot uh, during our conversation uh, about a lot of uh, topics that I was going to cover on future podcasts. Uh, but because of the news of the Ottawa Titans baseball season being cut, I had to cut out the season preview that I had uh, going for you guys. Um, so instead, what we're going to do for this episode is we're going to dive into the conversation I had with Steve Renault of the Ottawa Knights baseball team, going through some memory lane, uh, some memories of uh, our playing days with the Ottawa Knights, as well as what he has planned for the Knights as uh, executive director of the program. We will also dive into some new rule changes uh, that are coming in the Atlantic League that might in fact impact uh, the major leagues and yeah, it, it's going to be a good show. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. I definitely enjoyed speaking with one of my old teammates uh, and having that uh, that conversation with him. So uh, this episode is uh, in partnership with 613 Sports, um, local blog channel here in Ottawa. I'm glad to announce that I am fully partnered with them and will be having these uh, podcasts pop up on their website at 613sports.com. Uh, and you can follow them at 613sports on all uh, social media platforms. So without further ado, let's get Steve on. So joining me now is the one of the coaches for Ottawa Knights uh, baseball organization, Steve Renault. Uh, me and Renault, we go way back. Uh, hey, we were actually on the same team uh, 10 years ago. It was the last time we played on the, in the same uniform, and then we kind of uh, played against each other from then on out. Yeah. Uh, Renault, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. been a long time. It's nice to talk to you. Yeah, for sure. Now, um, as I mentioned, we were both uh, on that Ottawa Knights organization uh, 10 years ago. I, and I, I honestly think that's probably one of the best teams the Knights have put out there uh, up until that point. Um, going back to even probably before it was the Knights, when it was a hitman. Well, what do you think? Uh, I mean, we were strong. Definitely. Our team was, was good. I don't know. I, I know all those stories that, you know, Adam used to tell us, I think they had some good ball players back then, but yeah, I wouldn't trade any of those for, for our team. It was a special group of guys for sure. We did a lot of damage. That's no doubt. Oh yeah. No, that's for sure. We did a lot of damage. Now tell me about the, the group. 
Now, you've been with the Knights for back with the Knights uh, coaching staff now for how many years now? Yeah, I started coaching, I would say at this point, five years ago in the winter. Um, I had gone down to spring training in Florida as kind of a stand-in coach before that. Mm -hmm. But uh, Dale and the head coach of Carlton asked me to come help out because I, I knew him from that first time I went to Florida. I actually coached him in that trip. He asked me to come out to help winter training. I thought I'd be going a couple days a week. And here I am now, 2021. 20, uh, Dalen and I are now the executive directors of the night. So we're, uh, we're running the ship now. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, um, talk about the philosophy that you guys have now that you're running the show. I didn't, I actually didn't know that. Uh, <laughs> now that you're running the show, is a, are you bringing that same philosophy that we had back 10 years, a decade ago with the, with that organization that, as you mentioned, Adam Salter kind of built with us at, at the 16 U age. Are you bringing that same philosophy in uh, here? Can you talk about that? Yeah. I mean, a lot of the things we're trying to espouse um, from the top in the organization is recreating a, a college baseball feel. You know, I, I learned so much when I went to school and, and had my experiences. We're trying to recreate that for these kids in Ottawa and get them prepared for the next level of baseball and try to help them reach their baseball goals. And, you know, in the execution of it, unfortunately, we took over last year, but in the future, you know, we'd certainly like to get back to that travel style that we had because, you know, I, I don't know about you, but some of the best memories were, yeah, we won some games. But we also went to a lot of cool places and, I think it's the reason that a lot of us are still, you know, friends today. We're still close or even, you know, you and I, we haven't talked in a bit, but I probably sit here and talk to you for hours about it is because we had all those experiences together. So those are oh. a few of the things that, you know, we want to get to fingers crossed when the world goes back to normal. hundred percent. Now that that's, that's a big thing is the memories that we have for the travel. Now I know the nights had gone away from big travel and, and constant tournaments. I think the fact, do you do you remember why we we got kicked out of the uh, of uh, the Ontario Baseball Association? I don't know what ever happened there. I know you know currently we're not an OBA program; we're independent, and I prefer it that way. You know, the opportunity certainly hasn't passed us by to become an OBA affiliate. But I I like the independence. I like being able to play teams in Quebec. We always had great games. Yeah, teams in Quebec. I like being able to go across the border whenever, you know, we can and we want, even playing just exhibition games. We used to do that all the time too. So I like the independence. It, it allows for a level of, of variety that, you know, keeps the, the summer exciting for everybody. So I, I actually vividly remember why we got kicked out of the OBA and became oh, a travel because back then it was when my, my mom was actually in your position and running the show, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so we were facing against a team from Toronto, the Tigers, um, and Brockville at the Brockville tournament. I remember. And that. Yeah. We, we beat them like 27 to two or something yeah. stupid like that. And it was a pass ball and Mike Byrne goes from second to third. And that caused a huge thing with the other team 
because we were beating them by so much and they were talking about the etiquette of the game and the like the respect of the game and so finally we we finished the game and we're, we're going through and this Adam Salter was actually not at that tournament it was um it's close yes yeah yes and we're, we're going through the line and their coach goes up to, uh, to, to him and says nice coaching and he goes nice DP and that was the commissioner <laughs> of the OBA <laughs> Oh man, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I remember that so vividly, though. Oh man, like it was yesterday. Yeah, I think Adam was getting married that weekend, so it was just Klaus and him just running his mouth on the floor. What a guy! Oh, but I, I remember that because my mom had to reset, had to schedule it, redo the whole schedule for the summer, and that's when we actually found out about the um, baseball heaven tournament. Right. And we did the baseball heaven tournament. Now, with COVID going on, and and especially with the new news with, with that came in today uh, with the province of Ontario. Um, prior to these news, what was the plan and what going forward for the summer? What was looking for? What were you looking forward to in terms of uh, games and tournaments? And now with the new news, what's what what is in the works? Yeah, I mean, there's so many layers to it. You know, in a typical year, we're going to Florida. We have our annual Florida trip, and then we we play league games in the Fergie, you know, a few weekends here and there. And then, you know, for me, the plan is going to be to to have those tournaments, you know, heavy on the tournaments in the States in, in really cool areas, like baseball heaven is one I want to get back to. I don't know if you remember the the Delaware tournament. That one was one of my favorites, and I, I really yeah. want to get back to that one too. But that would be in just like a, a normal year. For this year, our plans were, you know, lots of tournaments in Ontario, some in Quebec, play some league games, just trying to get as much baseball as we can with as many tournaments as possible. Because that's something we missed a lot last year. We ended up getting some games in when the regulations got lifted, but when it's exhibition after exhibition, you kind of feel it on the kids. They're just not as into it. You want to get some something at stake for them to, to play for and compete for. So we were, you know, registered five, six tournaments for each of our teams, but we can already see that slowly starting to change. And, and with the announcements today, we're just going to have to, you know, band together with the organizations in the city. Unfortunately, when they bubble, you know, uh, sports into numbers that you know limit the amount of teams that can participate there's so many organizations in this city at this point that you know we can't just create a giant Ottawa bubble so we're just trying to find other organizations to partner with and and we've been having discussions so we'll have contingency plans for getting games in with other organizations playing scrimmages doing lots of practices you know whatever we're allowed to do once the restrictions get lifted it's you know better than nothing it's not ideal but that is the life of a baseball executive in, in Ontario now is just contingency planning day and night now um you mentioned all the new teams in, in Ottawa now this this is completely different than when we were playing 10 years ago where we yeah. had the choice of ONC versus Ottawa Knights or going out to Brockville right exactly um now I, I I'm I'm all for it has there been talks in, in terms of um, the other teams and, and interests? I know Ruck is one is a very big advocate of it, but 
forming a organization in Ottawa for all the teams to kind of bring that stability uh, with all the teams uh, together. Kind of like what hockey has. Yeah, I I don't know. I certainly haven't been in any formal discussions about that. The tough thing is, again, OBA stretches so far, and there are so many uh, OBA-affiliated programs in the city of Ottawa already. It would Mm -hmm. take a lot of people uh, making good faith decisions and just taking kind of leaps of faith to create some sort of uh, Ottawa organization again for me i'm i act as a fly on the wall in a lot of these things being an independent it's nice it gives me the flexibility to kind of see how the the baseball market in this city is developing and if it seems like it would it would be a good idea for the knights and it's a proposal that comes across i'll certainly look at it but i haven't heard anything uh, concrete like that no so one of the big things that uh, that I brought up last week on my podcast was um, I spoke I actually spoke with Miracle League of Ottawa, um, oh. and Michelle t- spoke very highly about you and the Knights uh, with partnering with Miracle League of Ottawa, and she's super interested on board with having the Knights come back. Can you speak about that? And also speak a has there been any thought about? doing like what the Rock does has and forming a special needs team associated with the Knights. Yeah, that's, I'm glad you brought that up because it's one of our big priorities, you know, year to year. I, and the reason I implemented it at this point, it was two years ago because we couldn't go last year, but you yeah, know, when I was growing up in East Japan. We had uh, days with our challenger division where we just went out and we played baseball with them. And it's just, like, I can't even explain what kind of an experience it is. Just so enriching to see kids just love the game of baseball. Like when you're out on the field, just everything is, you know, equal in that moment. And it's just so, you know, heartwarming. And I know we took our uh, specific team. This is back when we were still just uh, coaching one of the teams. We took our team. They loved it. You know, we made friends. We had one of the kids uh, out to throw a first pitch at one of our games, which was awesome. Um, So, yeah, continued, you know, working with the Miracle League year over year as, you know, fingers crossed we're allowed to. But for anybody listening, you know, in terms of volunteering, there's not much better you can get if if you're a baseball fan. It's just such an amazing experience. And uh, as for creating our own division, I, I would I thought about it honestly when I saw Rock's post. I thought it's such a great idea. I think for us, we know there's so much that goes into it, and the Miracle League is such a great example. There are so many resources that get put into properly supporting uh, kids with special needs to play baseball that. I don't necessarily think it's something we would have the bandwidth to take on. I would rather us volunteer our time with organizations that specialize in it um, versus, you know, trying to uh, do something ourselves from square one when I'll be the first to admit I'm not an expert in it uh, whatsoever. You know, uh, what I can always give is my time. And I think that's going to, that's our, our outlook towards that. That's, that's great. It's great that you bring that, um, so that humbleness to, to the kids and, and bring that experience to them. Cause one of my best memories while 
I was in college was going down to the College World Series my second year with Erie and doing that camp for the kids that weren't the regular kids that we had that just mm-hmm. they treated it like if if we were like professional players <laughs> even though we, we were just junior college kids that probably won't go further than that this is probably going to be the highlight of our careers yeah and it was it was very humbling and very enrich enriching experience yeah exactly i think that was one of the biggest things you know that i saw with our kids it's just and, and i knew it would happen because this is the impact it had on me it just gives you so much perspective on life and makes you appreciate just the opportunities that you have, particularly, you know, our, our young baseball players are so lucky. They have uh, so much support in, in cho- uh, not choosing, in, in pursuing like their passion in baseball. And those kinds of activities really put a lot of things in, in, into perspective, which, you know, for, for young teenagers, you can get never get enough of uh, perspective and, uh, you know, understanding just how, how lucky you are. Hey, Mel, Bri here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty. Daddy! Hey, Mikey, if you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget just as soon as. Right. Mikey, popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart, Brian. Yeah, for sure. Um, once again, I was speaking with Steve Renault, one of the executive directors of the Ottawa Knights. Um, so, go, let's let's get back to the Knights uh, now and go go over your program a little bit. What what age groups do you do you offer? Yeah, so in a typical year, we go fourteen uh, U, fifteen U, sixteen U, and eighteen U. So we're typically fielding four teams. Um, we have this year just uh, you know. A quick adaption because of some circumstances caused by COVID. We're we're hosting a 19U team this year, but a, a typical year would be an 18U team. Mm-hmm. And yeah, our 14U team ha- has a few younger guys with a lot of promise, and we like the ability to get kids in a little bit earlier when they need that next level challenge, uh, and we see the potential in them to start their development at that next level a little bit earlier. Now, you mentioned you're going all the way down to 14U and uh, have some younger players on your team. And also mentioned earlier that you prominently focus on the travel uh, tournament baseball um, uh, model for the team. Uh, are you doing the same amount of traveling for the uh, 14U as you do for the 18U? So it, it depends. I'll, I'll be honest. Like this year we had scheduled because – Last year was such a lull and everything was going to be kind of uh, kept in Ontario. I I did have a lot of tournaments scheduled for our 14 U's. Now that's not to say that they would end up traveling more than, you know, some 18 U's who can drive themselves potentially, or maybe travel farther distances. But our goal moving forward is that, you know, as early as 14 U we're preparing these kids to really focus on their goal of playing post-secondary baseball. And those are the kinds of players that we want. You know, we want kids who are driven and have goals of that next level. And I think once you get those kind of kids, then 
things like you know travel and uh, schedule and workload, uh, it, it's not such a big burden to bear because they're looking for that challenge. And you've been hyping college and everything like that. Now we both we we've both been in that program in that program and everything. You actually went to Monroe Community College at first um, for two years right out of high school before going to Carlton U and being part of the dynasty that Carlton U baseball had. <laughs> um, so go into that a little bit more about your program because a lot of parents might be a little bit concerned about the education portion with all the travel. Where, where, where do you stand on, on the student aspect of the student athlete? Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. You have to be doing your work off the field in order to set yourself up with opportunities on the field. You're gonna have to make sure that, you know, you're passing all your classes, you're going to school. Particularly for kids who do wanna go to that next level, it does not get easier. The focus does not shift from academics to baseball. It just gets added together. You know, when you go to school, like I, I'm sure you remember, you don't get any passes for not going to class or, or not doing no. work. So. Those are things that we instill with our kids, you know, early on is that dedication to academics, because without it, there is no opportunity to play baseball. No, the, the, the whole TV aspect of it, where you got the star football player <laughs> that, that gets like straight A's because no, or a star baseball player that gets straight A's because he's the best one. No, that, that, that yeah. doesn't happen. Um, teacher professors in the, in the U S don't give, two licks for the most part you do have the the odd one that will give you a pass because he's a he's a he is a sports fan and a very big sports fan of the the college team but for the most part and, and coaches coaches also keep you to a high standard as well oh yeah there were many days where our coach walked in with a piece of paper and it was everybody who had missed class that week and that's how many laps we ran that day yeah they don't they don't give you a pass and you know that that is one part of it is that yes you know there will be opportunities for um you know students who work hard and show that they you know are putting in effort if the athletics interfere with that you know if we had a tournament i could get an exam deferred but i wouldn't have been yeah. if i hadn't been going to class so it all starts with the academics and, and there's no shortcuts in, in that endeavor. It's, it's also showing the commitment aspect to coaches too, right? Cause the coaches don't just look at what's, what's going on on the field. They'll look at, they actually go and look at what's going on academically, what's going on at Facebook. They'll actually talk to the code, to the coaching staff to, they don't just look at what's going on on the field. No, uh, I've had coaches ask me, you know, I talked to them about a player and they'll ask like, does he, you know, how are his grades? Does he go to school? Do you know if he gets in trouble? They don't want to deal with that kind of stuff. They just want guys who are going to show up. They're going to do their work and then they're going to go play baseball. If they have to worry about a kid failing out, not being eligible, they don't want that headache. So that's something that they vet for in the recruitment process big time. Now, I know that the, the Knights used to go on a model where coaches follow their team throughout the, the age groups. Do you still follow that model? So, yeah, we do currently. It's something, again, we have uh, many decisions to be made as soon as we have the outlook of a, a normal season coming upon us. You know, since last July, we've been adapting and reacting a lot. But the coaching model is something 
that we're going to look at. We do follow our teams. Personally, I like it. You know, we had one group. We were with them for the last three years. And I still talk to a lot of those guys. They still come to me for advice on baseball. They still, you know, talk to me about stuff. And you really build a, a bond with, you know, the core group that you have moving up through the years. You know, I still talk to Adam from time to time, you know, I probably once a month at this point, honestly. And, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like I can because he was our coach for, for so long. Yeah, and it, he was a great coach. And I, me personally, I only having him for I think two seasons, one or two seasons, because I, I started on the nineteen U. Right. Um, when Salt, when Adam took over the sixteen U with you guys. Yeah. And then after my first year with the sixteen U with you guys, then he, then it was Dave Dunn who took over because he had a kid. Right. I think, yeah, by the end, yeah, it was uh, Rick and Dave, but Adam yeah. was there for, for us like for a couple years. But yeah, I, I remember, yeah, you were on the older team for the first year I was there, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, so that, that's great that, that you got that, that model because I, I find that that actually gives the kids a little bit more sense of confidence and in, in, in what's going on with the, with their gameplay, right? Because then they, they see someone that's going up, but at the same time, I find that having that fresh perspective kind of helps out a bit. Cause trust me, I went from Dave to Adam back to Dave and <laughs> the the difference Dave was helped me out with getting out of the jitters, but then Adam kind of steadied my bat to then go back to Dave to help me back out with my defense. Mm-hmm. So having that kind of change in perspective from one year to the next kind of helped in a way. Yeah. That, that, is and this is the reason why I think we'll probably stay with the the model where the coaches stay with the team is because during the winter our coaching staff kind of melts together and we have mm-hmm. coaches coaching everybody in the organization all winter during the training giving those you know fresh perspectives in it's one of the better things that we do I think is, is our joint practices and our positional um, specific workouts with specific coaches because it allows for that fresh perspective the the new voice the well this is what i heard from the other coach and this is what you're telling me so i'm going to figure out where to meet that in the middle and then during the summer you know they go back uh, to to their coaching staff and we still have the occasional uh, mixed practice but other than that you know we really try and stress that um, coming together during the winter so that every resource we have as a coaching staff within the organization can impact all the different players in in the org and that's that's a great system to have too mm-hmm. um in terms of tra- in terms of winter training and and all and all that especially with um covid going on what were you guys doing in terms of uh training yeah so we had our, our typical uh sessions at carlton you know, it's it's so nice that uh, Dalen, who's the other executive director uh, with me, is the head coach of the Carlton Ravens uh, baseball team. So, using the the field house there as our home base in the winter is a is a great luxury for us. And then midweek practices, we were actually practicing at a legion that was uh, repurposed to be kind of an indoor baseball area with you know some bullpens, a batting cage 
a lot of different nets. And, and that was spearheaded by uh, Paul Vilnov of the Patriots. He, he, he uh, was battling some illness uh, this winter and him and his son and some volunteers got that place up and running. And so many organizations I know uh, must have been five or six used that space during the winter. And we were so lucky that, uh, you know, someone like Paul stepped in for, for the baseball in this city because uh, we would have been, you know, way behind the eight ball without it. Yeah, and that's that's great that that that, that he stepped up and did that because one of the big things that I was disappointed on uh, was a few years back when Dingers fully shut down, and I was surprised because I found that 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 they finally had a good business model for it, and they had a, a lot of teams that were using it. Yeah, I think, and and I was that was disappointing as well. You know, we used to work uh, do our workouts at, at Dingers in the winter, and it's tough. You know, I think there is such an appetite for baseball organizations in this city to have a space. The unfortunate thing is as soon as the weather's nice enough, there's not much use for indoor facilities, you know, during the summer months. So it's, it's kind of one of those things, half the year, it's incredibly crucial. The other half, it it probably falls by the wayside and it's, it's just tough to run a business that way, especially when you have uh, continuous costs like rent that that place was so beautiful and it yeah. had so much in it that you know it was just tough to sustain in, in uh, slower months but yeah i do miss that place i just miss having a space uh you know to call our own and that's something you know we're looking into i, I would love as a future plan to be building a space that the knights can call their home because um, i think you know back to my days playing on the baseball team at Monroe, being able to just go to our indoor, you know, center, mm-hmm. throw down the batting cages, put the machine on like whenever I wanted, like it was such a luxury. It was so nice to be able to work on, you know, my skills whenever I wanted. And also just as a getaway, sometimes there's not much to do, or you, maybe you feel like you need to clear your head or anything like that. And just having a space that, you know, our players can go to, to, kind of just enjoy practicing the game that they love. Like that, that is a goal of ours down the road. Certainly. That would be awesome. Like something like, I, I'm not sure if you've, if you've been watching uh, the new mighty ducks series on, on Disney plus, <laughs> uh, but like, it, it just kill it, it just baffles me that they, they depict this and that the rinks or these arenas as like these hangout spots. But I guess for hockey, they have that, but we don't really have anything like that for baseball here in Ottawa for the, for the individual clubs. No, exactly. And that, that's the tough part is that so much of it, there is so much demand for baseball and so few resources that they can't be freely occupied by kids. You know, we, we used to just like go to the batting cage and, and hang out while you know, taking hacks here and there. And that was a place we would go versus going to somebody's house. But there's not that area in this city and even places where there are batting cages, you know. They're not used. Yeah, there's so much baseball going on in the city that you can't freely use anything, which, you know, there's obvious reasons to that. But it is uh, a detriment, I think, to, to some of the kids who would probably rather be, you know, outside at the ball diamond versus, you know, inside or something like that. Now, if there's if there is one thing that you would ask from the city to that would be able to help with this kind of a thing, what would it be? 
Uh, probably snap their fingers and make five more baseball fields. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know, you know, there's just, there's not enough time on diamonds in this city for, for anybody. That's the biggest issue. There's not much that can be done about it, unfortunately, unless the city or an angel investor were to come in and, uh, you know, build more facilities. But it's, it's tough. There are so many different teams, organizations, levels of baseball in the city, and, and so few fields that are viable to take on all of the uh, activities that I'm sure everybody would love to run if they had, you know, carte blanche with the, the scheduling of the diamonds. It's, it's just a, a shortage. And I don't know if, uh, I don't know if there is a solution coming down the road for that. It, it would certainly be a, a large project to undertake. Yeah. And that, that, that was always the problem with us too, is trying to find field time and trying to find a, a good field to, to play at. Cause it's, it's either the field's being used or it's too run down to be used. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. I always remember we were, we were nomads of the city when we played, you know, we would go, I think we went everywhere. We, yeah. Faulkner, Craig Henry, Trillium, Brewer, um what's the one heritage basically everywhere except for um hamilton yards that was where we called home just everywhere yeah. in the city <laughs> well no hamilton, hamilton yards the reason why we couldn't get hamilton yards is because onc had a exclusive stranglehold on hamilton yards yeah and they and they continued to uh, today as well which is you know something that just everybody kind of understands they had the affiliation um, you know, with the club there. So that and, and the NCBL, it's one of the main diamonds. And as somebody who's still yeah. involved in the NCBL, I, I don't complain that we get to play there. So uh, no, it's, it's both ways. <laughs> it is the nicest field in Ottawa uh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Aside from the stadium, but uh, with the new team coming in, that's not going to be readily available for just anybody anymore. I don't think, I think they're definitely going to have priority over that. Yeah, uh, well, I had Sam Katz on last week, and and he says that uh, game nights are are booked, but anything other than that, they're still open for rent. Okay, you want to know? I'll I'll just tell you something. Yeah, go. Still, like top ten nights memories, and you're involved in one of them. It's always in my head when we were down in Delaware for that one tournament. And I tell this story all the time to kids for whatever reason, I'll just figure out like the lesson of the story that I want to be telling them and then use the story. But yeah. I remember you as the, the other catcher pitched the semifinals and finals back to back in that tournament. And we almost won against that oh, yeah. Downington team from, I don't know where they were, New York or New Jersey or something, but you pitched like 14 straight innings. And I think you let up like maybe two runs or something. Yeah. Just, just what a performance, and I always remember that. I, I, I actually remember that too because um, what what had happened was, Adam, well, Dave came up, was it Dave or Rick? Rick came up to me. He came up to me, and he's like, after after the first, before the first game, actually, he came up to me. He's like, okay, so we're only going to use you for for four innings, <laughs> um, because we might need you to pitch to start the final. If we make it to the final, depending on where we go, I'm only using you for four. And then I'm using you for f at least four in the, in the final. I'm like, okay, cool. Whatever. Uh, give me the ball. So, I, and I pitched 
through the fourth inning and no, I, like you said, it was a shutout and Rick doesn't even talk to me. <laughs> doesn't even come near me. Doesn't even just sits at the other side of the bench. So I, I go back out to the mound and continue pitching for the rest of the game. He comes back, he comes to me. He's like, okay, so you pitched in the seven inning game, you pitched 68 pitches. <laughs> How's your arm? Uh, I'm still good. Yeah. He's like, okay, do you need a warm up? No. Okay. We're playing in 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, are you here? You got the ball. All right. I'm on, but I'm only using you for three innings. Okay. Um, Seven innings later, yeah. <laughs> I've thrown now 125 pitches uh, and we almost won that. And actually, the commissioner of that of that tournament actually has come came up to my mom and said and apologized for the umpiring of that game. I don't I don't remember any like controversies. All I remember from that game because I remember playing them that we had seen them the year before and we I think we played them in the tournament like in the round robin like they were just a bunch of absolute monsters. I didn't have yeah. like, a lot of high hope but I knew we had a chance and I I swear Mike led the game off with like an inside the park home run on like a missed dive. And I thought for a second we might have it, but what did we lose like three, one or two, one or something? Three, one, three, one, because yeah. I, because yeah, it was two, one actually, because I I was the last out in the bottom of the seventh inning on a straight, on a high fastball strikeout with, um, I think it was Herbie was on second. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, I, all I remember from that game, though, is one finding out that half the team would, had already been signed to D1 programs. <laughs> um, and two, in the fifth inning, I believe, one of their best players was at the plate. I threw a hanging curveball that got tattooed, but stayed, but he must have hit the launch angle on that at 0%, at zero degrees. Because that thing was coming at 100 miles an hour to my face. And next thing I knew, the glove was in front of my face and I caught it. I kind of remember that now that you say it. And then I, all I remember doing is not even looking at my glove, just flipping the ball back on the mound and walking <laughs> off. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. That was great. But that shows you, you know, any given day, any team's got a chance. Exactly. And I, the other one I remember, the other one that's in my top 10 was, um, I think it's the same tournament in Delaware. Um, yeah, actually, same tournament in Delaware earlier round. I, we, we were in a, we a slugfest against this one team. Mm -hmm. um, we're down by four. Base is loaded. You're actually on third. And I get fooled on a changeup. But I somehow managed to get enough – hit the sweet spot of the bat, and I hit it, and it hits the top of the fence and goes over to tie the game. But I think we still ended up losing it uh, in the bottom of the inning. I don't remember that. I'm trying to think. I remember in one tournament, I hit a triple – and then I and then you hit a home run. I remember that. So that might that, have been the same thing. That was it. That was it. I do remember that. Oh man, that's good. But uh, yeah, that's actually 
one of the reasons, like thinking back to all the times where we were kind of just like a plucky group of guys, like we knew how to play baseball, but we weren't necessarily, you know, a bunch of world beaters. But I remember how many times they made us play older teams. We used to play Brockville 19U as a 16U. Yeah. We would just get absolutely stomped. But then it just allowed us to it prepared us to play good baseball when we went down to the states and i think that's the reason we had a lot of success and that's something we did with our team last year we were coaching the 15u and we had them play you know titans 19u we had them play rocks 18u team uh we played a bunch of older guys because we wanted to challenge them and i think we came out a lot better for it now you mentioned that rocks um capital city reds 18u team now, do you have your your 18U team play maybe against their co collegiate team? Um, this year or previous years? Either previous years or are you open to the idea just to give them that experience against collegiate players? Because going versus 18U, 19U guys, mm -hmm. to then go against 22, 23-year-old collegiate uh, pitchers is a leap. Yeah. Yeah. For, for our team um, this year... I had scheduled that team in all 21 and under tournaments. Cause I agree with exactly what you're saying is like those kids who want to play college ball, you don't get to just play 18 and 19 year olds. When you're a freshman, you have to play 22, 23 year olds who are seniors. So yeah, that's a philosophy for all of our teams that it, again, a normal year, I would love to uh, put into play. And like I said, that team was uh, predominantly in 22, 21 U tournaments this year. And I was excited for them to, to take on that challenge. Now, whether or not those tournaments still happen, we'll, we'll have to see it maybe make some contingency plans around that as well. And are, are you open? Cause one of the big things that I felt like I lacked when coming back from the States was the option of playing on a college showcase team here and based out of Ottawa because I didn't want to come home. I didn't want to leave to go somewhere else. Um, are you open to creating a program like what Zanuck has with his um, 22U team? Yeah, that's a good question. I think with Dalen's position at Carleton and, um, you know, what he does for his players in this city during the summer, I think, the future plan would be to do something more with that. Now, of course, not every member of, you know, the Carlton baseball team lives and, and plays baseball in Ottawa, but I think yeah. we definitely have a good um, foundation built with his position, you know, with the collegiate team to, you know, consolidate a lot of players to, you know, create a competitive team of college baseball players from Ottawa in the summer and then have them, yeah, do X, Y, and Z, go play in, in different tournaments, go play against different levels of competition in order to, you know, keep their skills sharp for the future uh, years and, you know, next fall. And um, Ruck has a showcase tournament planned, the first uh, first annual Capital City Reds uh, College Showcase Tournament uh, coming up in September, provided everything with COVID kind right. of lets up. Are you planning on entering in on that? So Rock did invite me to that. Uh, unfortunately, again, just one of those things, uh, the, the Carlton program hosts a tournament. So we're entering, entering our team in, into that tournament. Um, you know, uh, 
with again Dalen's position, it's just something where Carlton and, and the Knights are always going to be linked at the hip. So yeah. because of that tournament, and I think it was just it just happened to be on the same weekend. Um, so unfortunately, you know, we, we couldn't do both. Uh, so we'd be in the uh, again COVID pending uh, Carlton tournament that they're running. Now, um, with, with your experience as a like you said, with uh, and ties with Carlton and your experience in college in the States, do you still have those connections for those kids? And have you built more connections across the, the U.S. with not only uh, Monroe, but some of your teammates maybe from Monroe that maybe have gone out and branched out to the different programs? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's a focus that that's one of our top priorities, expanding that network with uh, the first team that we had, we actually ended up doing a, a fall junior college trip uh, where we played a few different junior colleges. They got to go on campus tours and uh, talk to some coaches. Luckily, you know, we've built a pretty good network and we do have a lot of uh, people in the organization that, you know, have those ties. Uh, one of them being, you know, Connor Fitzgerald, who uh, we picked up as a coach uh, kind of at the end of last year, played at uh, Davis and Elk Elkins College in West Virginia, which is another very good uh, ball program. But uh, yeah, we were, again, the timeline, it just continues to escape me. But that team that, that we had, um, we were actually able to send a handful of players off to different programs. A couple went to uh, BC and one went to Niagara County Community College, which has taken leaps and bounds in their program. I think they were ranked 10th in the nation um, when he was there. And we sent uh, another couple to uh, Onondaga and, and Cuyahoga. I never get that pronunciation right, but the network is, is certainly uh, established, which is nice because again, it's one of those priorities where we want those options available for our players if that's their goal, and so we continue to expand that network and you know make uh, ties with with coaches and showcase our, our guys. And again, in a a normal year, I wish we had more opportunities to go showcase in person, but you know, doing player videos, you know, having uh, coaches join our, our calls in our town halls, like those are big priorities for us as an adjustment to kind of the COVID reality we live in. That's awesome. And the, the college programs are, are definitely something that a lot of kids are focusing on. And mm -hmm. uh, do you have different kinds of systems in place to, to assist uh, the athlete with, getting into those programs or reaching out if they need any help with it. Yeah. We work with our athletes, you know, when they have those goals, like I'll just work with them on a one-to-one -one basis. We're developing right now, honestly, it's a little bit of a blessing. Some of this downtime because we're developing some uh, informational sessions, you know, for players and coaches who are sorry, coaches, players and parents who kind of have those goals to give them a lot of information on, you know, what they can expect, what they should prepare for, you know, how they should be planning to achieve those goals. And then working with the kids one-on-one -on -one to determine, you know, what are their priorities? Where do they see themselves? Where do they see themselves athletically? You know, do they want to stay here? Do they want to go to the States? Building out those plans for them individually and, and trying to help, um, 
you know, those goals. Cause, and that's the reason, honestly, at the end of the day, why I started coaching again was I couldn't have got to where I went to without, you know, Adam and Rick and Dave, and I had the time of my life. And so I just want to be able to provide that opportunity to as many kids as I can. And yeah, it was great growing up with, with those three as mentors and yeah. it, it, those three really shaped the the person I am today. It helped shape the person I am today, right? Yeah, exactly. So, and are there any opportunities in the future for joining um, other uh, showcase leagues? Like, for example, Perfect Game, because I do know you did do Perfect Game with Hammer um, for, for college, didn't you? I might have went like once. Evan was a lot more into the, the Perfect Game showcases. Um, but we've been, again, um, non-COVID years, we, we, you know, we're looking into getting into those, you know, perfect game. We have, um, which is nice, a um, American firm that is exclusive to the Fergie Jenkins League this year called uh, Between the Lines. Mm-hmm. And they're running a showcase for players in our league in, I believe, August or September of this year. So we're continuing to look for those opportunities down south. And we've also done uh, PBR in the past. Um, but it's nice to have uh, a company that's, you know, committed to players in our league specifically so that they can get, you know, that focus and exposure that they're looking for. That's awesome. And now one of the big questions that I have is um, the game of baseball is changing. Um, we see that with uh, with Major League Baseball all the time with the Fernando Tatis, the the Juan Sotos, the the, the the hype monsters that are in the game right now. Um, however, when you're at the travel level, I feel like there there needs to be some a little bit of restraint when it comes to to that. Not too much. Is there what 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 is your opinion on term in terms of that kind of flair on the field? Yeah, I think. When it comes to major league players, I think mean, they're all grown men. They can do whatever they want. Um, but when it comes to travel ball and high school baseball, you know, you're dealing with kids who aren't completely emotionally mature yet. And so teaching them how to exercise emotional maturity and how to be in control of their emotions is a huge skill that they need to develop. And I think when you enter a case where there's maybe 30 of those kids at a field and most, if not all of them still haven't reached that, you know, complete emotional maturity, it doesn't take much for things to stop being about baseball and start being about, you know, fighting or chirping or cheap shots. And there's just not a lot of place for that. You know, what we always tell our guys is be emotional be excited, but you're always with your own team. You keep it to your team. You cheer with your team. You talk to your team. And at that point, you can just let the rest roll off your back. If you know you're keeping your emotions focused towards your own bench and your own players, I think you're you're in the clear for, you know, having that personality out there. Because a lot of kids do have that personality. Yeah, and I – our our team was nothing short of having that personality when we were playing. Like we just had, we exuded that personality. And but like you said, we kept it within our team. We kept it respectful with the other team, for the most part. Yeah. Um. But respectful. But it was still a, a 
a matter of respect on the field. Like, like I said, we exerted that, that personality when we were there. Heck, our team was loud and obnoxious. Yeah, super obnoxious. For <laughs> <laughs> we were the loud mouse. And yeah, I think I, I'm remembering that pretty much the same. You know, we didn't, we were loud. We were, you know, in your face. You didn't want to play us. We didn't start it, but we would, we definitely finish it. But I don't think we were out there looking to get in a chirping war with people. And I don't think that's the way that kids should be taught. No. And I think a little of that, you know, maybe a little bit of that bleeds in from, from the hockey, uh, the hockey school of thought, because that's just more of a part of the game, but you know, baseball is supposed to be the kid's game and you, you want to keep it fun and, you know, emotions are going to get involved, but teaching kids how to, how to gain perspective and control that early on is, is certainly a challenge. I think every coach in this city faces. I'm speaking with Steve Renault, uh, executive director or whatever your title is now of the Ottawa Knights. Um, go on. Why don't you tell us a, a little bit about some players that might be on some people's radars or that some of the fans in Ottawa could be excited to, to look forward to seeing potentially in college or further maybe. Yeah, we have uh, a handful of kids right now in the organization with a lot of potential. Um, two that are playing this year that are going to be playing on the Carlton team in the fall for sure are uh, Taras Okramchuk and Trent Birch. I coached them for many years. They went to play baseball uh, in the States. They're a few very talented uh, ball players. I think they'll have a good impact with Carlton this year. So they might be in the news, uh, depending on how Carlton does during their season and in the playoffs. Um, a little bit younger, you know, a couple of the kids that we're coaching right now, we're really fortunate. Our 16U team has a lot of uh, strong, skilled players. Um, a couple of names, you know, uh, Owen Constantino is our first baseman. Uh, Dom Vizari is uh, an outfielder of ours. They were both highly ranked by PBR in in the uh, province. And both of them have just worlds of potential to make a, a big impact playing at the next level. And then we also have a few other guys on our my team specifically, uh, you know, Caleb Aguren. He's one of the best fielders I've ever seen at that age. He's just so smooth. Coming from a shortstop, I just give him the ultimate respect. And uh, a few other kids. I wish okay, I this is this is coming. I'm, I'm going to interrupt you right there because this is coming from. I'm and I'm going to boost. I'm going to toot your own your horn there, but this is coming from probably one of the smoothest shortstops that I personally played with and seen play on a on a field, short of being on in an MLB line. And this guy puts me to shame. I'll tell you, man, he's so <laughs> impressive. And honestly, I would call out like every kid on my team because I just see the potential in, in all of them because I'm so uh, close to them. And, you know, there's a lot of talent at, at the younger ages too. And I think as they continue to develop, they're going to be set up uh, to take that next step uh, for whatever they're looking for as well. We have a lot of good young talent in the organization that I'm excited to watch develop and help develop over the years. All right. Um, and let's end with a little bit of rapid fire here. Um, okay. <laughs> so just going to give you quick uh, topics and uh, let's see the answer. All right. Favorite flavor of spits. Oh, salt, just salt. Really? Yeah. Just plain, just make them salted. I'm good. All right. Favorite flavor of double bubble. 
double bubble. I yeah. just, the, the, oh no, grape, definitely grape. Grape anything gum is good. Gatorade. Uh, I might have to go with grape or white cherry, actually. White cherry is pretty good. DH rule. I understand the DH. I agree with it, but I love pitchers hitting. But once it becomes a universal DH, I'm not going to stomp my feet and make a fuss. I get why, but, oh, man, it's just fun to watch pitchers hit sometimes. Bat flips. I think they're getting a little bit much. I think there's a time and a place for them, for sure. I don't think you need to police how the bats are being flipped, but I think people need perspective that, you know, you should be excited about the impact you have on a game. And if you hit a home run down 10 runs in the ninth inning, you're not really having that much of an impact. The shift. Hate it. Hate it. Make people earn their hits. Don't let somebody dribble a ball through an, a vacated side. I, I, I hate it. Uh, on the th- I just to quickly interject in there on the flip side though, the dribble through the open side. I mean, these guys are professional baseball players. They shouldn't be able to, they should be able to hit the other way. Remember Adam's mantra was to hit the ball the other way. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I don't think you see the shift in uh, levels before you know, professional baseball and in major league baseball. Like I, I watch a lot of college games and you don't see the shift nearly as much because these guys are learned to hit the ball to all fields. It's not until you get to the, the pro game and everybody's strong enough to, to hit a 450 foot tank. So the statistics tell them you might as well just try and do that every time and not try and make adjustments. That's not my philosophy ever, particularly when you're dealing with young kids who are just trying to learn how to hit in general. The, now, this one here is not so much as a rapid fire, but uh, just can't, just reminded me uh, of doing the rapid fire, reminded me of something. Okay. The MLB has announced that uh, the Atlantic League is going to be testing out 61 foot, 61 and a half feet pitching mounds instead of 60 feet, six inches. Right. What is, your thought on, what is your thought on adding that extra foot? I think we just have to wait and see how it goes. I think them testing this stuff in the minors is cool. Like, at the end of the day, I really don't think it's going to hurt anybody's potential chance at an MLB career. I think it's cool for people who get to go watch those games. And I think it provides a lot of good insights and data for making choices at the MLB level. Again, it's hard to say. Some people might say a foot makes all the world a difference. Some people might be like, it's a foot, who cares? But we'll have to see. I think it's tough. I, I, I would, I would trade what we have now and what we've had the past few years in professional baseball of high strikeouts, high solo home runs back to days of, you know, putting balls in play, getting runners on. I think that's a way more exciting game to watch. So if, you know, maybe a 61 foot mound plus a little bit deader ball makes for that, I'm all for it. Well, here's two numbers for you that I, that I, looked up uh, about that 61-foot, uh, five-inch uh, mound. Mm-hmm. Uh, they came out with projections that the major league, uh, the current major league batting average is two, was 216 or something like that, somewhere around there, give or take. With the added foot, the projection would be that the uh, batting average would go up to 263. Wow. 
Uh, the other number that that struck me is that a 93, the average fastball is 93.7 miles per hour. Yeah. With that at the current, with that extra uh, foot, it would go down to 91.5. So it would be like the equivalent of a 91 mile an hour fastball. Yeah. Right. So yeah. one more number I saw, because I, I was like, okay, they're, they're just spitting out numbers. What, what does that all mean? So that means that a batter, instead of having 0.75 seconds to react to a 95-mile-an-hour fastball at the current distance, that same fastball, that batter now has 0.9 seconds to react. Wow. So realistically, that gives for a professional hitter, that gives them a load of difference to be able to react to, a 90, to an average fastball in the majors. Yeah. No, definitely. I think it's going to be interesting – to see how it all plays out. And, you know, I, I'm all for making strikeouts go down. I think nothing, unless you have a certain circumstance or an absolutely dominating game, nothing is more boring than strikeouts when guys are, are only swinging for the fences and then really don't give themselves a competitive chance to hit the baseball. It's just so boring to watch. And that's what I like from seeing from guys like Vladdy now Vladdy, have you noticed a change in his swing um, from last from the last two seasons to this year? I feel like his swing is a lot more compact and a lot more uh, whole field swinging. Yeah, I, I was shouting it from the rooftops uh, last year. He just didn't get his foot down in time ever. He could not hit velocity, and now he's just keeping his stride a little bit shorter, a little bit simpler. He's got more quiet feet, and he's staying to all parts of the field, so... He's getting his hits to right center and then he'll turn on breaking balls and, you know, use that power he has. But I think and it's such it's such an important lesson for young hitters to learn and watch MLB players and see how they're doing it. That less is more in the batter's box. And a lot of kids growing up, when you're growing up, the bat is always heavy to you. So you're always going to try and do a lot to get that heavy bat through the zone and as you start to develop, you need to get rid of those bad habits of all the things you used to do just to generate that power and just trust your, yourself and, and quiet things down to make yourself a better hitter. And I think watching MLB players do that is such a good example. Well, look, that's another good example of exactly what you're talking about, about doing too much at the plate. Look at Bo Bichette right now. I find he's doing way too much at the plate and he's getting burned by, uh, by high cheese. Yeah, I think... His is a little bit, I think he's making a conscious choice to sacrifice his ability to hit certain pitches or see the ball as well as he can in order to try and generate more power. Because I notice him, he will shorten up with two strikes. He knows how yeah. to do it. I think he just consciously chooses not to until he gets to two strikes, which, again, I'm sure there's a bunch of different people in that organization feeding him numbers, telling him, what over the long haul is going to work best for him, but it is tough to watch, you know, and at the same time, my evaluation of major league talent and major league teams is that can you hit the best pitchers? And if, when you can mm -hmm. hit the best pitchers, that makes you truly a, a good hitter. It doesn't matter if you beat up on the sixth guy in the bullpen on a, on a Sunday getaway day, it's about, who can hit the best pitchers. That's why Juan Soto is my favorite hitter in the majors is because he is probably 
one of, if not the best pure hitter in the game, in my opinion. Yeah, he's his swing is is gorgeous. It's almost a it's almost at the level of Ken Griffey. Yeah, he just doesn't have a hole in his swing. And the thing about it is everybody could hit like him in his approach, but he is just also such a phenomenal athlete and kind of a horse of a human being that he can still hit so fundamentally sound and hit the ball 450 feet. Well, that's all I got for you as questions, Steve. Thanks so much for, for joining me today. Oh, I had a great time, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, why don't you put in a little plug now just to see where everyone can uh, get information on the Ottawa Knights and uh, find more, more about uh, games coming up, schedule coming up, tryouts, all that stuff. Yeah, follow us on social media, you know, Ottawa Knights, Ottawa Knights Baseball, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, our website is knightsbaseball.ca, just overhauled last year. Uh, try to put a lot of information about the program up there. Tryouts typically are in August and we'll release uh, some information about those, but we encourage everybody to, to come try out regardless of what your ambitions may be. We love seeing kids come and try to prove themselves and we love giving feedback. You know, that's one of the biggest things, giving feedback for kids to continue to work, continue to pursue their goals. Uh, I'll leave you with, with one thing that I, I like to, where as a badge of honor, even though I didn't do anything, we had one kid come to one of our camps. He came to a tryout. He didn't make the team, but he kept working. He came back, made the team. And I, I worked with him for most of the winter. And he is one of the more impressive kids that we have in the organization. And it's just such a heartwarming success story to see a young kid not get discouraged, work really hard and then achieve his goals all in the span of like a year or two. And uh, yeah, that's what we're all about, but feel free to interact with us, reach out. Thank you so much, Steve. Once again, that was Steve Renault of the Ottawa Knights uh, organ baseball organization. Um, more information at their website, as mentioned. Thank you so much, Steve. Yeah. Take care. Buddy. Once again, that was Steve Renault of the Ottawa Knights Baseball Club. Thank you so much for joining me. It was great going down memory lane with him and, and seeing his views on how he's shaping up his the program um, and taking it forward. So once again, you can find his information at knightsbaseball.com as well as on all social media channels at Ottawa Knights. As for me, you can find me now at 613sports.com, at 613baseballpodcast uh, on Facebook, and at 613sports on Twitter. So thank you again and hope to see you next time.